Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Now open in Dundalk beside the Dundalk Retail Park. The nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk. I passed the uh, picket line uh, this morning at one of the... uh, health centres where the nurses are on dispute. And, you know, I just, it just got me thinking, to be honest with you, uh, about what makes over 30,000 nurses and midwives take to the streets. It has to take something really important, hasn't it? Let me put my cards on the table for a start today. I'm married to a midwife and I've seen firsthand over the years the love and dedication and selflessness uh, Miriam has for what she does and has always had. Uh, shifts, you talk about shifts, working days, hours, you know, don't make me laugh. I've seen it over the years. They don't apply really when you're in the nursing game and especially in many, many areas where they work. It's going way beyond the call of duty. It just happens naturally. It comes naturally to them. They do it. They don't walk out when the shift is over like many people on shifts in factories and workplaces and when our day is up. They just don't do it. They can't do it because a lot of the time life and the care of other human beings is really on the on the line for them. And they do it, I want to tell you, for no additional financial reward. They just do it because it's what they do. The sadness, I've seen it myself when something goes wrong, when a life is lost, how it touches nurses on a very personal level. I've seen it firsthand myself. Were you ever in an A&E department, especially at weekends, at night time, into the early hours of the morning? I've been there, unfortunately I've had to go in and and be there and, and just see what's going on. Watch what the nursing staff have to contend with. The drunks, the druggies, the aggressive people. Uh, wanting treatment, demanding treatment. And, and they're on the front line there when you and I are tucked up in our beds and not thinking about anything like this. What about the times they look after the small children who are not well, who are ill all over the place? Uh, the infirm and the elderly as well, and doing all the work they have to do there, the cleaning up when people soil themselves, pee, you know what I'm talking about, doing that type of work in there, cleaning up all the time, looking after them, the intensity of the critical care units every day and all that entails on the new technology where life is on a knife edge. What about oncology? where many, many people go, more and more of us, and we'll have to go there over the years to come. And the, the fear that people have going there and how you're put at ease by the people there, how they look after you, how they give you hope, how they're always positive in the oncology units. 
Do you remember the kind words you got? And I remember them a few times. I've been under anaesthetic and woken up and there they are. And are you okay? And that caring smile and the cup of tea. The cup of tea after the anaesthetic and the the little bit of toast when you need it. Or or for relatives who are in with people. Are you comfortable? Are you all right? They do this. They do these little things. To love it. You'd have to love nursing. Because let me tell you this. People aren't in nursing for the pay or the conditions. And that is the reality. You know, when you qualify as a staff nurse, they get damn all as students, 14,000 or something. But I know there's training to be put in and in many jobs and training, you don't get much pay. But when you qualify as a staff nurse, you're on €24,850. And it will rise into the early 40,000s, but over a 12-year period. So that leaves average pay at about 32000 Train drivers... God, I'd love to be a train driver myself because I have to say, we're not in this game here in regional or local radio for the money either. We do it for the love of it. We're not millionaires or on fortunes here by any means or matter. But I'd love to be a train driver. I'm sure nurses would as well with an average pay of €60,000. Did you know 2,000 people applied to be Lewis drivers recently? God, I'd love to be a Lewis driver as well. I'm sure most in the nursing fraternity would. Yes, a Lewis driver, 29 jobs, 2,000 people applied. Why wouldn't you, when you could be ultimately on 53,000, which includes a 6.5% bonus? And I'm not saying train drivers or Lewis drivers haven't responsible jobs. But let's have a look at the nursing again and see responsibilities. What about the hospital consultants? They're well paid and rightly so. They have responsible jobs. They're brilliant. I depend on them for my health as well. But they don't take much messing about their pay and conditions, as we all know. And they're a very strong lobby within the health service. I have to say I admire Regina Doherty, our local Minister for Employment Affairs and Social Protection. And she's calling for engagement. I heard it today. And I know the nursing unions are trying to engage, Regina. But in my opinion, the problem is that the real issue is not being addressed here. The real issue is pay. This is what it comes down to. Our Taoiseach, Leo, today, with his entourage of advisors and spin doctors, listen to what he said. It wouldn't be fair to the taxpayer to sanction pay increases. What a hypocrite you are, Taoiseach. Politicians have just awarded themselves a pay rise, bringing a TD salary, listen to this, folks, to €94,500. And that doesn't include their expenses either. Do you think your TD is worth €94,500? Do you think all of them up in Dáil Éireann, when you listen to them and watch the shenanigans that goes on there and the bloody nonsense are worth that amount of money and yet a young man or a woman who's caring for life, who's at the cutting edge of humanity, is paid starting off €24,000? Unfair to the taxpayer, Leo. Who bailed out this bloody country and the banks and the bondholders and were still paying for it? Only the taxpayer, Taoiseach. Cop yourself on, will you? The bankers are back with their big salaries and bonuses as if nothing happened. And the taxpayer continues to pay the price. I'm sure, Taoiseach, government, ministers, politicians, we'd all rather... Reward the nurses. Look at the pay rises coming this year and salaries in Google, Facebook, 
and many of the financial services companies. Good luck to them. I don't begrudge anybody anything in life. I want to say that to you. I never do. Good luck to everybody. But the increases and bonuses, and you read these headlines in the paper, Google staff to get this, that and the other, and massive money. It's actually more in rises and bonuses than basic nursing salaries. Is that actually right? Tradesmen are creaming it again. Don't forget they are. They had tough times, I know. But tradesmen can ask for any money now. They're on big money. The boom is back. They're building like mad. Look at the money spent on local politics. There's where we should have an analysis. Do we need them? Do we need as many of them? What do they actually do? The overrun on the children's hospital. It's absolutely disgraceful. It beggars belief. Money spent on inquiries. By japers, I am annoyed today. I am really annoyed because I reflect, and I've said it here over the years on Late Lunch, and I say it again. The Banana Republic is alive and well. The rat sang about it when I was a young fella, starting off in work 40 years ago. And it still holds true in little old era. It really does. I'm not wishing ill health on your Taoiseach, your ministers or members of the Oireachtas. But inevitably, all of you will need nursing care at some stage, be that sooner or later. And my advice to you is to take the nurses seriously. I'm behind them. I support them all the way. Yes, I've had an interest over the years, but I know what it's about. They are so important to us in this country. And if we can't care for the people who care for us at our most vulnerable, who can we care for? What is this country about? There's lots of people behind the nurses. There's a real groundswell for them. You better start listening up there. And don't fire out your spin doctor nonsense. Because you see, it's like this. I know the way it works. If you're a small elite group, like the Lewis drivers, like train drivers, like smaller organisations, consultants, politicians who reward themselves, the oracle can be worked for you. But because the girls and boys in nursing number over 30,000, they're supposedly in a weaker position. We can't pay you. But I want to say to the nurses and midwives on the picket line today, I'm with you all the way. Don't back down on this one. Stay with it and win. Because if you don't, you'll have to forever hold your peace. And that's my piece about the nursing dispute on late lunch this afternoon. How do you feel about it? What's your thoughts on this? I'd love to hear from you. 086 1800 658 is the text or WhatsApp number. Get in touch with us. I'd love to hear what you have to say. Have you had an experience in hospital where a nurse was just an angel, a godsend to you, went beyond, did, made, whatever? Whatever you have to say. I'd like to hear your comments today on late lunch. How are you feeling about this? Out on the streets, it's cold today. I know it is. Thank God it's dry. But they're all behind this and they're going to be out for more days. And I'm somebody who's saying... I don't care if something happens to me and there's not the staff there. Well, so be it. That's the pain we have to take at this moment in time. To see that people who are vulnerable, who are underpaid, who give more than their fair share to their job always are looked after. I want to hear from you on Late Lunch today. Use our social media as well, Twitter, Facebook or whatever you'd like to comment on. Louise, do you want to say anything? (laughs) 
that I'm off the soapbox now. I've just pushed it aside. But I'm mad as hell about this. I really am. And the way they're trying to be dismissed and the Taoiseach and the government and everyone. It's wrong. No, it is. And I'm just gobsmacked. I don't think I can follow that. But I'd just like to say I'm with you. I stand behind them all. And I think you touched on it, Jerry, when you said about, you know, the height of pay in today's sector in certain sectors. Mm. If, if somebody came to you and offered you services for pittance, would you trust them? You would not. And yet the nurses, they're paid pittance, but you literally trust your lives with them. You do. And, and they should be paid to reflect that. Absolutely. And, you know, we, we have to. We have to we have to meet this and sort this out because they're so vital to us in this country. And, you know, we hear it here. Look at Michael's show in the morning there, the amount of times health dominates. And he's onto this this morning and will be over the next few days to dispute as well and how people get agitated about it and annoyed when they have to wait or they're not cared for an A&E and there's not enough staff there and this, that and the other. You know, people really go to the ends of the earth to complain when things are not wrong, not right. And rightly so. I understand that. They should be better. But look, there's no good in, no point in doing that if, if you don't understand the nub of this as well. This mm-hmm. is a huge part of it. You know, they're talking about numbers and pay as well. This must be addressed. And people who are on their high horses on radio stations, writing to newspapers, commenting on social media, need to make their mark and make this point to our Taoiseach, who's out of touch on this one. He's totally out of touch. And his spin people as well. In the, the point needs to be made to these people and they can come back with us with what they want. We're not fools anymore. We're not going to be fools in this country. Fools uh, to politicians who really, I have to say, my faith in the political system is just knocked time and time again and gets worse year on year. The lack of leadership, it's horrendous. The quality is shocking. It's just shocking. It really is. We've had enough of it, I have to say. We've had enough of it in this country. Enough of the nonsense. And the nurses' dispute is just one aspect and one key aspect of something that must, must be attended to. Keep your comments coming to us. They're flying in at the moment. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp, text 1850-715-958 if you'd like to call in. Jimmy Norman from Avian's Pink Tie is on the line. Afternoon, Jimmy. Hey, how are you? How are things? How are you keeping? I'm keeping very well indeed. You wanted to uh, throw your tuppence worth in about the nurses and the dispute, Jimmy. Absolutely. Well, it's, it's, it's more about just to to say, you know, how much nurses meant to me in my life and and, and what I've seen and, and, and the, the strength and courage that they, they've shown and just just incredible, uh, just incredible people. And and you've seen this firsthand yourself from your own personal experience and with the wonderful organisation, the Pink Tie as well. I, I, I had a look, I, I've had my say there, Jimmy, the last few minutes about this and what I feel about it as well. And the way the men and the women in nursing go way beyond the call of duty and what they do. You, you've seen this as well many times. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible. They 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 go so far beyond the college. You, you, I'd often spend an overnight in the hospital. You know, you, but you you know, spend many overnights in the hospitals, five or six days in a row there, and you get to know the nurses and you get to know them all so well. And you know, and 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 you see them after a shift, like a shift could be finished at six o'clock in the morning, but none of them really finish till about seven because they have to sign over the shift then to the to the other uh, nurses coming on 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 board. You know, so even in like where most was like all oh, the rest was Jerry out the out the door the minute you know the, the minute the bell rings they're not like that they they they're constantly there you know what I mean I've had phone calls even you know I, I, even after Avian passed away still a lot of the nurses you know still asking me you know how we were and you know and how the family was and they become very very close friends to you and, 
just yeah. watching them every single day, especially in some of the situations. When you when you when you see now, I'm not talk, I can only talk paediatric. Yeah. You know, I'm talking about children, but when you see what they have to face into, and I tell you one thing, I've looked at them lots of times, and I don't know how they do it. Mm. And and that's a point I, I want to come back to as well. And and I touched on it what I said earlier. The, the the things they deal with and they come across and they see every day in the course of their jobs and they get on it and they get it done and they 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 just give it everything. But where would we be without them, Jimmy? And look at I I, I this all started this morning passing a picket line on the way in here and I just thought, Absolutely. my God Almighty, they're out. They have to go out in the streets and do, and I know they wouldn't want to do this to disenfranchise people who are supposed to be on in for procedures today, different things, etc. But that's how bad it is. They're passionate. They want. They really want these issues. Addressed, they're, they're not paid well, are they really, Jimmy? For what they do, I think. I think there's a, there's a, that's a, a very fair point. But I think to the side of it as well. They, I think from what they, they only want to be get reinstated, what was taken away from them. Mm. You know, during the linear periods over, the, you know, when after the Celtic Tiger was through through all the toys out of pram, they only got a lot. They got a lot of rights. They got a lot of benefits. They got a lot of increments. A lot of holiday. A lot of that stuff was withdrawn from. And, and and from a lot of the, the, the a lot of guys I've spoken to, they just want to get back what they you know what what was taken from them. And in all fairness, it, it was given back to Angarda Shiakana. Mm. So why can't it why can't it be given back to the nurses? Mm. Uh, you know, when we have uh, the Taoiseach saying unfair to the taxpayer. <laughs> if I mentioned that again, and my head is just going to burst here when I, when I think about that. But Jimmy, anyway, you know uh, what's involved and and what it takes, and you're behind the nursing uh, campaign and what's going on. Today and beyond, I will always be behind the nurses of this country. I've seen what they do, I've seen what they go through, and I know that they have to go off in the corner after many a day, and they, and I know they have to go off and cry on their own. And even something touched me very deeply when I was back up in uh, St John's Ward there recently over Christmas. We visit every Christmas day, and there's a nurse up there, Dennis, and he nursed Avian um, when she was, when, you know, through the last days of her life, and, and for the, all of the time she was in Crumlin. And every time I look at the man, and I haven't, and, I, and it's, it's, it's sadly, Avian would have been 18 this year, so she's nearly gone, you know, she's nearly gone nine years now. And even up to this day, and every year I go in, that man still has tears in his eyes and finds it very hard to, to look at me and talk to me. And when he was with Avian, he never broke once. He never cried once. He smiled, he laughed, he tickled her, and he, he had great fun, and he, and he always like, had her smiling and laughing. But outside of that, they're human beings as well. They have to go off and cry in the corner. They don't deserve to be treated the way they're getting treated. Uh, absolutely, Jimmy. And I just wanted to catch a word with you today. I know you've been following this and following us as well. Jimmy, thank you. Wish you well. You're doing great work. Keep it up with Avines. Fair play to you. And fair play to what you're doing today, Jay. Brilliant work. Thanks, Jimmy. Take care of Thank yourself. You so Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's Jimmy Norman there from Avian's Pink Tie. He's a great guy and he is dealing with nurses uh, in the course of his work every single day and he's right behind this. Let me read some of the comments that are coming to us. Uh, Jerry, while doing uh, our nurse training in England, our senior tutor lecturer told us he had a heart attack a few years earlier when he was visiting a relative in hospital and but for the quick intervention of a nurse, he's alive today. He was taken into resource and treatment started immediately by the nursing staff he told us never underestimate yourselves as nurses as your work is needed today whereas your colleagues down the corridor and offices their paperwork can wait until tomorrow I understand that paperwork can be uh, uh, thanks indeed for that uh, Pauline but I, I understand what you're saying there and how the importance of the moment is and to act on the moment lots of comment coming to us good on you Jerry. you should be running the country <laughs> throw them all out I'm not sure about that uh, well said Jerry. what 
a brilliant, passionate uh, support for the nurses. Thank you sincerely. Uh, well said, Jerry. About time someone should say it. You said what's needed, and saying it makes me feel good today. Says Paddy in RD. Jerry, you should be in the doll. <laughs> if I was in the doll, uh, wigs in the green. You remember that saying that your mother used to say to you. Anyway, I have uh, Olivia on the line. She wants to talk to me this afternoon. Hello, Olivia. Hello, Jerry. That was a very good speech. I have to say, it was lovely. Thank you so much indeed. Tell us about uh, your experience with nursing. I had um, through breast check up in Echo Street up in Dublin. I met a wonderful nurse. You can imagine yourself when you go through a diagnosis of cancer. Um, I met a wonderful nurse up there called Jacinta and she was just super. I don't, they probably won't hear this now. I know she's still there because I was actually up there yesterday. And um, she rang me one night at home at 10 o'clock the night to see how I was and I asked her was she still walking and she said she wasn't she just was still in the hospital going through some stuff and um, and I, I know the service finishes at 5 o'clock in the day but she was still there at 10 o'clock of the night My oh my and that you know is one example that you experience personally that's happening all over the North East and all over the country every okay, single day of the week you know that yourself I do. And I actually remember your wife, Miriam, in the hospital. <laughs> she, was, she was super as well. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't, I, I was absolutely honest because I could see it firsthand myself, what her and our colleagues and they all did. They really uh, were so dedicated. They never looked at clocks or time. They just made sure they looked after the mums and babies and the patients there. Listen, I have that much comment. I want to try and get to a yeah. few more of them. Thank you, Olivia. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Take care of yourself. Uh, Mary, Jerry, you would make a fantastic advocate. I'm just sitting here in awe of what you said a few moments ago. Marie says, I agree with every word you said, uh, Jerry. I uh, could listen to uh, it all day. Um, Kevin in Navin says, Jerry, why doesn't all the people in the country do what they did during the water charges and get out on the streets? I was in Navin Hospital last year and I was really, really ill. The nurses were simply the best and lovely looking after me. And one in particular, um, I believe, was the inspiration to me to recover from my illness. Uh, fair play to you, Jerry, for highlighting their plight. Isn't that a lovely message from Kevin this afternoon? Uh, another, uh, uh, Kay Curran was on to say, Well done, Jerry Kelly. What a passionate speech on behalf of the nurses and midwives. Thank you so much indeed. And so on and so on they go. We have more on WhatsApp as well coming to us uh, and I hope to get to those in, in a few moments just to read them for you uh, keep them coming to us we want to hear what you have to say about the nurses on late lunch this afternoon and the nursing dispute 086-1800-658 by text and WhatsApp if you send those in to us please or you can call in now on 1850-715-958 I have more I have more she, we, she's flying in from Studio 2 as I speak Louise with the comments and the remarks that are coming in on WhatsApp to us. Uh, well done, Jerry. So true all you said. Hope the people in the Dáil uh, do a day's work in A&E uh, for a change. That would be a good one. Yes, that's a very good suggestion. Why don't we get some of the politicians in to see what A&E is like? Go in there and see what's involved and what nurses have to face. Well, we have a doctor. We have Dr Leo as our Taoiseach. You'd think he'd know instead of coming out and saying, oh, the taxpayer, it'd be unfair. Oh, if I have to say that again, I'll put the monitor on my arm. Uh, and uh, that was some... Uh, 
some speech, Jerry. Uh, I couldn't put it better myself, says Margaret, and so on and so on they go. Thank you so much for your comments and uh, keep them coming to us. Let me tell you what else is coming up on late lunch this afternoon. Sinead Kelly's in the house shortly. If you want to uh, put a question to her about your pet, you know Sinead can answer anything. The usual numbers, 185715958 or 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Claire Allen's in the house. She's the author of Apple of my eye one of the books that Margaret Madden picked in book club this month and Margaret's popping in to give me a hand with that one looking forward to it as well she might just have a coffee with her on the way I could do it a coffee at the minute and then after three did you know that Luke Kelly the great Luke Kelly is 35 years gone today Joe and Olivia Cairns are dropping in Joe can play all his songs and sing them he's been doing it for years so we're going to have a couple of Luke Kelly tribute songs after three on late lunch but now we're heading to news and weather the Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Now open in Dundalk beside the Dundalk Retail Park. The nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk. We turn our attention now to your pets for the next while because she's back for a first visit in 2019 and we're delighted to have her with us. Sinead Kelly, it's great to see you again. It's good to be back. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us on the show. Well, the first question, and look, folks, you can ask Sinead directly today on Late Lunch if there's something bothering you, if you have a dog, a cat, or whatever pet you have as well. Get in touch with us, 1850 to call in or you can WhatsApp or text us on 086-1800-658. Sinead, I'm not surprised this has come already to us the cold weather Jerry will you ask Sinead do my dogs need more bedding when the weather gets colder well absolutely now I'm presuming that your dogs sleep indoors uh, I know a lot of people keep their dogs outdoors and sleeping outdoors and I would definitely say in this kind of weather when it's freezing or below please let your dog sleep inside the house because it's just it's too cold you know when it's reaching freezing or minus you know it's just too cold and elderly dogs in particular can die in that weather and it's just so uncomfortable for them it's awful now I find Cleo sleeps in the bed with us and I find even in the winter time she's, instead of sleeping on the covers she comes up at the top of the bed and kind of passes on the shoulder to go under the covers so she finds a cold in the nice warm house so what is it like when dogs are sleeping outside so if you're outside move inside if you're inside make sure the bed is nice and cosy that it's not in a drafted um, area uh, make sure that maybe when you're uh, sometimes if it's snowy sometimes the snow gets caught between their toes so you need to kind of check their feet and kind of clear the snow out from between their toes um, and just make sure that if for example if they're outside during the day when you're at work uh, make sure their water supply isn't frozen over things like that you've got to make it you know make sure that's all okay um, now dogs will soon warm up when they're running around outside and when you're bringing them out for walks and things like that but the big thing is if they're just lying around you know I, I would really urge you to let them sleep inside it's really by far the fairest and most humane thing Do you know the water was just crossing my mind there as you started to speak because I know in the summertime we've often said look make sure your dog has a drink yeah, yeah. in the warm weather especially if they're eating the dry nuts Absolutely, they yeah. need water yeah, don't yeah, they definitely. and the frozen thing you know we talk about birds to make sure it's okay for them Absolutely. but very important and a lot of people will be out at work during the day and the dog will be sitting out in the garden so just check before you go that there's fresh water that is not frozen and make sure they're, they've got access to that anything else to watch out for if it gets really hard if the snow falls they're saying we may have snow into Friday yeah again sometimes the, the snow can get impacted in between their feet so check for that when they're out walking um, and also maybe just be careful when you're going over an awful lot of grit and salt sometimes they can get a lot of that on their feet and then they lick it off and they can get a bit irritated by it so try and avoid if you see an obviously gritted area maybe don't bring your dog there too much it's probably the best thing to do but apart from that no just 
just kind of common sense, really, to be honest. Now we have uh, a cat lover on to say, Sinead, how could I be sure my cat is pregnant? She's getting rather uh, portly the last few weeks, and I don't think it's down to the amount of food we're feeding on. I'm just thinking, could she be getting food from neighbours or some, somewhere else? But how how do you tell? What's Yeah, well, I think your protocol is going to be the vet. So the vet okay. will, will feel the cat's abdomen. Now, depending on the stage of pregnancy, the vet may be able to feel the individual kittens. If they're in any doubt, they can do an ultrasound scan. So it's very easy. Just like for pregnant uh, women, you can put the scanner on and see are there any babies in there. Pregnancy in the cat is only nine weeks, so it doesn't take very long. Uh, definitely, if you've got an unneutered female and you're noticing an enlarged abdomen and she's a young cat, I would be very suspicious there's kittens in there. So get an appointment with the vet and get that checked out straight away. If the cat is pregnant, then you're going to have to ensure that she's got a nice, safe, cosy place to give birth and uh, making sure she's got a good, adequate diet, she's got a good plane of nutrition and then prepare yourself for the birth and you're going to become a cat mummy. So uh, I would just get down to the vet and get that all checked out. Just talking about the nine weeks pregnancy, how many kits do, kittens do they generally have? Oh, they can have quite a few. I mean, you can vary from one or two up to about seven or eight. So there can be, you can have quite a large litter. So it's very difficult to, to say, so, but there is, a, there is a large range and there could be quite a few. So definitely get checked out at your vet. And in general terms, the mum will deliver herself. You don't have yeah, to pay too see, much attention. As vets, we see quite a few dogs having difficulty having puppies. We very rarely see cats having difficulty. So on most occasions, um, you'll probably go to bed one night and you'll wake up the next morning and mummy cat will have had her kitten. So on most occasions, what you should just do is provide a nice cosy bed somewhere that they can go, whether it's in the airing cupboard or under the bed or uh, under the stairs, somewhere nice and safe and cosy that they can go and they feel safe and protected. Um, and as I say, most of the time they have no problems at all. If you notice your cat is is very distressed and is straining um, and is appears to be pushing and nothing is coming out, then they're obviously signs of distress in birth and you need to contact a vet. Okay, Kay's been on to us on WhatsApp 086-1800-658 to say, a stray buck cat uh, pees on a mat at my front door late at night. Some nights he jumps on my window, sets off the house alarm. I have never seen him, but I can smell his wee-wee. Yeah. How can I scare him off? Right, there is a substance you can get from the DIY stores. It's called Get Off My Garden or there's a few other different generic forms and it's a spray which has got a deterrent which is supposed to put the cat off the idea of urinating. So go and have a look. Maybe look it up on the internet if you can't find it in the hardware stores. But there is spray that you can use. Um, if you're cleaning up the wee yourself, um, the best thing to do is to use things that do not contain bleach because bleach actually contains urea which smells of what urine smells of. So it actually encourages them to wee again. So you need to use kind of fruity flavoured kind of sprays nothing containing urea and your best bet is to go for this get off my garden or other generics have a look online or in the DIY stores for that Another message coming to us, funny enough, related to what you've just said there. It says, Jerry, uh, there's a new fad at the minute where people are using liquid detergent like Lenore, etc., diluted to wash floors and leave them shining. However, someone has said to me, this could be poisonous to dogs or cats when they come inside. Is this yeah, true? Yeah, I think, well, I mean, I think if, if they just get access to the floor that has been washed, I think you should be absolutely fine once the floor has dried. I would say if there's any of the cleaner left lying around in a bucket or in a container where your dog or cat could access it. I have seen dogs and cats uh, lick or ingest some of these very corrosive substances and end up with lots of problems. But I think you're, you're, uh, what I would probably do, as you probably would do when you're cleaning the floor, keep your dog or cat outside of the room and then wait until the floor has dried and then you're fine to let them in. 
Very good. Here's another one. And this is, a, I'd say this is a classic question, but it comes to us today on Late Lunch. Thank you, whoever sent it in. Is it unhygienic to let a dog lick your or a child's face? Okay. Um, I definitely wouldn't let a dog lick your face if you do not know their worming uh, status. So if your dog is not being wormed regularly every three months, I would definitely not let the, wor- let the dog lick your face. Um, after that, I think it's probably your personal preference. Now, dogs do carry bacteria in their mouths. So so in theory, you do have the potential for picking up some kind of, um, you know, bacteria that you don't really want by letting them lick your face. The reality is that as long as they're wormed regularly, you're probably very unlikely to, to pick up anything. I would advise if you're ill or immunosuppressed, so if you're a cancer patient on chemotherapy or if you have a very young child, very elderly person, I probably wouldn't allow it because their immune systems are compromised. I think for the rest of us, I think you're probably absolutely fine as long as the dog is wormed regularly. Is there a humane way to catch mice or keep them? There is, there is, uh, there is, there is. From, from wandering into your house. So there's somebody who's who obviously has a problem with mice, Sinead, but doesn't want to yeah, trap now, them. Yeah, now there are actually humane mouse traps. I've used them myself in my own house. Uh, they're li- literally, it's, li- it's literally like a kind of spring-loaded uh, trap. So you put the food down or the bit of chocolate or the bit of peanut butter or whatever you want to trap the mice. And once they step on the little plate, it triggers the, the, the trap, which is like a long kind of rectangular box uh, it snaps shut then you have the mouse in there and then what you need to do is bring the mouse as far away as you can uh, in my experience what I used to do was bring them where I thought was far away and I'm sure the little mice would then end up back in the house the next morning because I would find another mouse probably the same mouse the next day um, but definitely if you want to be humane then you can get the humane mouse trap that's probably the best thing to do but I don't think in the long run they're as, they're as effective because I think you probably find that the mice make their way back to your house but if you're happy just to get them shipped up and out of the house on a 24-hour basis then they're probably absolutely fine. I remember I had pet mice when I was a child. I got a white pet mouse in England the first when I was a small lad. I went to Coventry to relations and brought one back. Never seen there were no pet shops in mm. Ireland at the time. And then one opened here and I got brown and black mice. I think I had two or three of each. Didn't they escape? Oh, jeepers. The oh my God. I won't tell you the panic. Bet you were popular. I, very, very popular I have to tell you. Now here's another one for you. I have a four-month-old pup. I let him out in the garden but the devil comes in and piddles on the training mat. Yeah. <laughs> okay. help? Yeah, I think you need to go for Well, you need to probably lift the training mat. So get rid of the training mat now at this stage. And I think what you need to do is on a regular basis during the day. So after every wake up, after every meal, probably every hour, physically bring the puppy outside um, and and say, you know, use whatever your trigger word is going to be um, to encourage the puppy to go for a pee. So just say pee pee or wee wee or come on. Uh, and if the puppy uh, passes urine, then loads of fuss, big, big palaver of, of congratulations and maybe even a little treat, something like that. And then keep on doing that. So you're positive reinforcement when they wee in the right place. Lift the training mats off the floor in the in the kitchen. And then if they do anything in the kitchen, just you just ignore it and move on and go back to rewarding the positive behaviour. Dogs, they like to be clean in their own little environment so once the little one has better bladder control he or she will realise and they will do it mainly outside you've just got to help them along with the positive reinforcement and building on our chat about the cold weather mm. bedding and snow etc listeners just been in touch thank you indeed to say uh, just to add to what you're saying there I think we all should watch our dogs on ice a few years back my dog got an awful cut uh, when he went out on the ice mm. when he came in he had a severe cut oh, wow. and it took okay. him a while to, to yeah, recover no, from it possible. Yeah, I haven't seen are. that before but yeah, yeah that's possible yeah, yeah. yeah thank you indeed keep those comments coming to us I'm going to take a short break uh, Sinead is staying with us 086 1800 658 
debate by WhatsApp or text or you can uh, contact us across social media tweet us Facebook us Instagram us whatever you want to do oh my god there are so many mechanisms to get to us today and don't forget the phone 1850-715-958 Bet Sinead Kelly is with us on Late Lunch answering your questions Hi Jerry, I have a question for Sinead I love dogs and have had wonderful dogs all my life I have four at the moment and they are the best dogs in the world but I got a puppy a few months back he's a husky cross and he won't recall I'm at my wits end Sinead, can you help me? Okay, part of your problem is that he's got a bit of husky in him. So huskies are very difficult dogs to have as pets because they need a huge amount of exercise. They need a huge amount of stimulation uh, and they're very, very stubborn and they're not very well known for being, you know, agreeable and biddable to their owner's whims. What you probably need to do is to start off training in the garden in a small area um, with really what I call high value treats. So whatever his favourite bit of food is, even if it's a bit of hot dog, something like that. And literally when you're out in the garden... You let him wander away from you. You call him back. When he comes back, you give him a treat. And so he he comes to associating, you know, your voice and you calling his name with a treat. And it's literally building up from that. So if you can't do that, if you're if he's struggling even to do that, then you need to contact a, a dog trainer, a behaviourist through your vet. So all the vets will have a local person in their area who deals with behaviour problems and behaviour issues. But I am certain that if you, as long as he's got some kind of food item that he likes, that he, he is very fond of, using very high value food treats you should be able to lure him back into coming back I say first of all in an enclosed safe area and then when you go out to a bigger area you can maybe get one of the flexi leads so that you literally let him go long on the flexi lead and then you can kind of almost like pull him back as you're calling him to get his treat so you need to go again positive reinforcement a lot of the times people get negative reinforcement so they might call the dog back and if it's a while if he's been leading them a merry dance and hasn't come back for a good while then they give out to the dog and the dog's thinking well why would I come back I've just been given out to so it's all got to be through fun and play and treats and rewards so so as I say hot dog often is one of the best things they love an awful lot try that there you are hope you get the recall sooner rather than later another one uh, for uh, our four-legged friends uh, my, may help some people as well at this time can my puppy Sinead catch anything from wild bird feces I feed the birds I love it and she's always sniffing round under the feeders. Yeah, now there is actually an organism, a specific bacteria called Campylobacter jejuni, which uh, a lot of birds shed in their droppings and is actually a cause of human food poisoning and canine digestive upset. So definitely it can cause vomiting and diarrhoea and severe infections in, in dogs. So definitely bird droppings are a source of infection. There are other, they can also carry salmonella and listeria, uh, E. coli, lots of the things. So one thing that they even recommend from the bird's point of view in the in the bird table is that they recommend that you regularly clean the bird table so you're kind of building avoiding a build up of all these bacteria and then when you do that you need to be care- very careful yourself wear gloves uh, very strict hygienic precautions because you yourself can catch infections from the bird droppings so definitely I would keep your, your dog away from, from the bird droppings is a good idea to do Jerry, does Sinead know anything about a pet passport? I have two dogs. Do I need passports for Absolutely. them? Absolutely. Now, this could probably all change because Brexit is happening on the 29th of March. So, But currently, at the moment, for you to go to the UK or to an EU country, you need an EU pet passport. Uh, normally, they're issued through your regular vet. So phone up your vet and ha- make an inquiry. Normally, uh, the vet is able to um, create the passport for you. They need to make sure that the dog is microchipped. They need to read the microchip. They need to write down a description 
description of the dog. Um, you have the option to put a, a photograph in um, and then you get your pet passport created. It only takes about a week. Um, and then you need to check, depending on which country you're going to, what the individual requirements are. So even to go to the UK, even to go to the UK from Ireland, even though neither of us have rabies in our countries, the dog needs to be rabies vaccinated every three years. So definitely have a think about which countries you're going to and look up online through their Department of Agriculture what their requirements are and speak to your vet and say that you want a pet passport. You'll be able to get that. Now, as I say, this is all going to probably change. I don't know what's going to happen at the end of March because dogs going to the UK will no longer be going to a EU country. So... Sinead, Who knows what's going to happen? Sinead, never mind dogs. Do any of us know, know what exactly, happened? exactly, exactly. But if, definitely you can get a pet passport. Okay. That's no problem at all. Okay, Tanya, you, you mentioned there the vaccination for rabies. And here's another one coming into you just now. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text for your questions for Sinead this afternoon. Uh, I was taking my dog for his annual vaccination a couple of weeks back. We only have the one dog and it's the first dog we've ever had. I met a friend of mine on the way who's experienced with dogs and he said, when did you have that dog vaccinated last? I said, a year ago. He said, no need at all. Vaccinations, two to three years between them is plenty. What do you say to that? This is one of these things where there's a grain of truth in that. Um, Up until recently, uh, we were led to believe by the vaccine manufacturers that immunity only lasted 12 months and that you had to have them boosted every 12 months. Now, the vaccine manufacturers have done an awful lot of studies now uh, to study how long the immunity lasts within the dogs. And they've discovered that for the distemper and hepatitis part of the vaccination, that vaccination probably lasts about three or four years. The part of virus immunity probably lasts about two years but the leptospirosis immunity only lasts about 11 to 12 months so your dog needs to get the leptospirosis component every single year now what's happened now different veterinary practices will have different protocols so some veterinary practices will still vaccinate them against everything every year that's probably overkill Um, some veterinary practices will take if you're interested and if you want to do it you can get a blood sample taken from your dog you can see what your levels of immunity are and you can get a little profile which will say to, to you what your dog is and is not immune to and then you can give the vaccine that you specifically require but leptospirosis is required every single year it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
And that's actually the one that they're probably most likely to pick up because it's carried by rats, rat urine and any dogs that are going near rivers or waterways, that's where they're maybe going to pick up the lepto. So yes, you do need a vaccination every year, but that's the lepto part and everything else probably about every three or four years. But again, discuss with your vet. And if you're someone, a lot lot of people worry about over-vaccination and worry about problems associated with that. So have a chat with your vet. And if you want to pay for it, then you can get a profile done and find out exactly what your level of immunity is in your dog to the different diseases. I'd rather err on the side of caution oh, and get it done every definitely. year than to be worrying, yeah, you know, absolutely. and something happened yeah. because then it will cost you. Yeah. It may cost you with the, the dog's life, yeah, uh, never absolutely. mind everything else absolutely. besides. We're staying on the vaccination uh, trail this afternoon, but this time we switch to our feline friends. And Mary wants to know, what vaccinations does my new kitten need? He's three months old. OK, so there's three major diseases you need vaccinated against. Um, cat flu, which is actually caused by several different um, uh, organisms, bacteria and viruses. Um, so we can vaccinate against three of the big causes of cat flu another disease called feline enteritis which is a really horrible nasty viral disease which causes terrible terrible diarrhoea and vomiting and suppresses their immune system hugely and you can also vaccinate against feline leukaemia which is this very nasty virus which causes lots of different cancers in the, in the cat so there are vaccines against those three diseases and they'll be incorporated into your kitten vaccine so normally it's two vaccines three weeks apart from about the age of eight or nine weeks onwards so again have a chat with your vet and and certainly don't let your kitten outside outside of the house until the vaccines are all completed. Because it's at the age now, three months, where yeah. they should be done. Yeah, because what will happen now is, is that the, the mother's immunity starts to wane probably at around eight or nine weeks, and that's when you need to start vaccinating your kitten. Uh, Jerry, would Sinead recommend neutering a, a two-and-a-half-year-old bulldog? He's quite aggressive and hard to handle, uh, and I'm hearing that neutering would be the job to calm yeah, him down a little. Now, neutering will certainly have some benefits. It, uh, neutering has a lot of health benefits in that it reduces the incidence of prostate disease, um, and uh, hopefully it, it, should, it, 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 it should help in improve his kind of aggression levels, but it'll only do that to a degree, because the age of two-and-a-half, a lot of the bulldogs be behaviour will be learned behaviour. So what I suggest you do is have a chat with your vet about getting him neutered and at the same time have a chat with your vet about speaking to a behaviourist and and getting some behaviourist advice on around the time of him being neutered or in the immediate period afterwards you can get some kind of behavioural advice on how to train him better and make him more biddable and more under your control. So a combination of two things so that the reducing testosterone levels will coincide with him also getting behavioural input. So definitely neutering will help but if you just expect to neuter the dog and think that that'll reduce him to being a little smiling, biddable, happy creature it's not going to work like that. So it will help but you need to put in a lot of work yourself so you need to contact a behaviourist. Margot's been on to say, following on from your answer about the mice Mm. and the humane trapping, she's been on to say, uh, I used the humane trap and released the mice well away. I caught two Mm. in the last month and I've had no return. Oh, that's good. Oh, so she's doing well. That's very good. You're doing very well. Just must, we'll have time. We will, yes, for for another question to Sinead. You were talking about the weather there, Jerry, with Sinead. Uh, It's very cold at the moment. Is there a better time of the year than this to worm dose a cat? No, I mean, the, 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 the worm infestations have nothing to do with the weather at all. So worms are basically passed. Um, cats will pick up worms from the faeces of other cats and they'll also pick up tapeworms through through fleas. So really what you need to be doing is worming your cat every three months is a good idea. And if your cat is a cat who eats uh, maybe a lot of grass or eats anything that could be contaminated with cat faeces, you maybe need to worm them every one or two months more often. But every three months is a good idea. And as I say, the worm life cycle, uh, the, the tapeworm life cycle depends 
depends on the flea. The other worms, um, basically, they, they come out through the faeces and then they're ingested through the faeces. So really, you just need to do your worm in yourself every three months. Sinead, that's brilliant. Thank you so much again for joining us today. Lots of advice there and all free to you out there and applies to many, many people. She'll be back with us next month. If anything's on your mind beforehand, do let us know. You can always email us info at late lunch, uh, info late lunch at lmfm.ie, late lunch at lmfm.ie. What am I saying about info? That's the general one here. Info at lmfm.ie or late lunch at lmfm.ie are the two email addresses if you want to get your questions in in plenty of time. But until the next time, Sinead Kelly, thank you so much. You're very well. Bye-bye. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Now open in Dundalk beside the Dundalk Retail Park. The nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk. I'm really delighted to have my next guest with me on Late Lunch this afternoon because we spoke about her uh, a little while back in Book Club. Margaret Madden picked her latest apple of my eye as a one to really get hold of and read. She absolutely loved it. And lo and behold, Claire Allen is the author. She's from Derry and she's made all her, her way to Drogheda today and she's in studio with me. And Margaret Madden is here as well. Claire, you're very welcome to the show. Good Thank to see you. Very much. And what, what did you say to me there, there a moment ago? Uh, my second wife is with me, Margaret Madden. <laughs> I walked in. Hello, second husband. Yeah. You're very welcome, Thanks as always, crush. to the show. Not at all. I know you wanted to come down and say hello to this lovely woman. And I said, sure, why not sit in with us and have a chat as well? The more, the merrier. Well, Claire Allen, you are a Derry girl uh-huh. and you made history in Derry because you worked for the famous Derry Journal I and you, you were the first female columnist there, yes? I was, um... And that would have been now about maybe 16 years ago. Um, I had pointed out to our, our then editor, Pat McGart, that it was an absolute disgrace <laughs> that there were no female voices in, in the paper. And I expected him to go, OK, well, we'll ask another person. But he said, well, go on then. Um, <laughs> give it a go. So uh, that was it. The, the column was born and it ran for 14 years until I left the paper two years ago. So... Yeah, it, it, that was that was brilliant actually, and it, I had a great readership. Mm. And um, was we, that the forerunner for you? You know, actually writing and starting to write books. It, it, you know what, it kind of was. It gave me that bit of confidence in my own voice again. And um, at the time, my deputy editor, a lovely lady called Siobhan McAlaney, said to me, "You know, this is what you're going to use now to find what you really want to write about." And she pushed and pushed and pushed for me to actually eventually write a novel so thank God for Pat McGart saying right then Mrs on you go no better woman <laughs> so rainy days and Tuesdays was the very first one do you that remember it well I do I, I do I, I'll always remember it um so it came out in 2007. I can always work this out because I started writing books when I was turning 30 and then I did my big change in genre when I was turning 40. So I can always count back the years from then. But yeah, it, it came out then. It was published by Pullbeg Press and it did very well and seven women's fiction novels followed, which I really enjoyed writing. Um really love that genre, mm. still love reading it. It still probably is my favourite genre to read. Um, but then it was time for a bit of a change. So Did you get bored of what happened to you? That you decided, look, you, you could have kept going down that road I and keep have. them coming if you wanted. But what was the, the, the little push or what happened with you to say, did you want to be challenged more? I did. I wanted to be challenged more. It's not. I, di- I certainly didn't get bored of writing the stories, but I felt that I had reached a certain uh point in my career and 
it wasn't really moving any further than that. And I thought to give myself a real chance of pushing on to the next stage, I had to do something a bit different. I never, ever intended to write a crime novel. I intended to write something that was a little bit more serious. Um, and I did. I wrote 30,000 words of, of a more serious book and I sent it to a lovely editor in London and she agreed to meet with me and she sort of went, eh. And I went, oh, this is not what I was expecting to hear. And she said, look, either if you want to go dark, you have to go dark. Just don't hold back. Go the full way. Give yourself permission to unleash your dark side. And I'd never considered really that I had a dark side before then. But um, it was brilliant fun actually to find that I did. And it's really twisted. Um, And it's very, very cathartic to put all that sort of evilness and twistedness um, into a book. And then obviously the big thing with crime is that we usually have a nice resolution at the end of it. Absolutely. Did your friendly family kind of just go, oh my God, Claire, are you sicko? Where did this come from? Absolutely. Because your books were always so gentle and soft yes, and, and love stories. And, and, yeah, and then yeah. all of a sudden what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, really really shocked and funny. Um, I got a message just the other day from one of my best friends. Mum's just said, oh my God, how twisted are you when she'd finished reading Apple of My Eye? And my answer was, I'm only as twisted as the people I keep company with. Oh, nice so. one. <laughs> Love it. But look, you, you've said yourself that the characters previously in, in the eight-year-old one after another yeah. sort of led you through the story. But with this one, the characters, you write the character first and they're they're deep before you actually write the story itself. Yeah, um, which was a whole new way of writing for me uh, to really examine who the characters are uh, at times I would do like really lengthy character sketches so I know everything about them from you know where their freckles are and if they have a dimple and what way they take their tea and that's stuff that's never going to make it into a book but to me then they're real people before I start writing and that actually makes it really easy to write mm. because they are these fully formed people and, and they don't really have much to teach me in, in the writing um, it does mean for some books I have written maybe five different beginnings and you know five different lots of 10,000 words until I get the one that I go that's it and, and I run with it but the characters are still the most important thing in this but you, you really have to know them with crime mm. um, because you really need to know how far you can push them Margaret, you read the first one in this new genre of mm-hmm. Claire's. Uh, her name was Rose back yeah. last year. Yeah. And, and you, you said it there a moment ago. Is it strange to see somebody doing a bout turn like this? Absolutely. Completely? It was like reading somebody completely different. It was a completely mm-hmm. new voice. Um, there's still bits of dairy in it, which I love. You know, yeah. there has been. And um, you can hear, I'm ne- I always kind of nearly read it in Claire's accent. You know, the, the, the gorgeous dairy yeah. accent. Now, if you asked me to do it, I couldn't do it. But in my head, it's wonderful. Um, but both of them were such a turnaround, but amazing. Like, because literally from the first line, it reminds me of Liz Nugent in that, that first line. You go, oh, this is going to be good. Yeah. Well, that's a compliment. Now. <laughs> yeah. Anywhere near Liz Nugent, she's, she is at the top of her yeah. game. Yeah, but it was fantastic to see you trying out something new. And it has really worked out for you. So I'm thrilled for you because I've known you for a yeah, long time. A long time. Well, on Twitter and stuff. You yeah. Know? And it's been amazing to see the success come from this. Uh-huh. You say that you were, you know, uh, in many ways consumed by this change, challenged, excited, yeah. scared. Mm-hmm. But your gut said to you that this was the thing to do. And following your gut? It, it has paid off. It has been, it has been brilliant. And I still 
love right I've, I've written um, obviously Apple of May and Her Name Was Rose there's a third book due out in May so that's written and done and I'm starting writing the fourth thriller and I just find it so exciting mm. um, because you really can push the limits um, I love writing women's fiction but you're you're kind of tied with uncertain uh, constraints and, and certain tropes and things that you know you expect to happen this you can just take it any direction that you want mm. and I did fall in love with writing all over again I learned an awful lot about the process it was really back to school moment for me um, but it's just made it and it is accelerating mm. it is that back to oh I can't wait to sit down at my computer and hours can pass and thousands and thousands of words can just appear on the screen and it sometimes feels like it's right in itself the uh, book itself this one apple of my eye margaret remind us again why you love this book again i think from the very beginning and from that first kind of opening thing where you realize something is awfully going wrong so this is where um elena is a um palliative care nurse and uh, she's heavily pregnant and she's going into work and in her pigeonhole is a note claire you you probably know the note off by heart now do you what yeah. it says. Um, so don't trust everything he tells you or yeah. something of yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't reveal who, what, no. where, No, and she's like, what the hell? Oh, I don't know what this is. And she abandons it. But then more and more little things start coming in and you just know that there is somebody out there who is trying to put her off her husband, who's mm-hmm. trying to make her cast outs on her relationship, on her pregnancy, on everything. But then you get the other voice and that is the person who is sending the notes. Um, so it's, it becomes very obvious that, that she's been through her own trauma and you need to kind of link where's the connection what the hell is going on I was like mm. who is this crazy woman you know yes. yeah. yeah yeah. it was really really exciting so a two book deal was what you agreed initially yes. and, and you've delivered on that now yeah. but lo and behold they want two more they do they do they actually um, offered me the, a second two book deal the day before her name was Rose came out which I was completely stunned by because I I was expecting to wait to see how it went, but that's the faith that they've had in me. So, um, yeah, it's been a real whirlwind this last year. It's just been writing and working with with a brilliant team and uh, it's been a a dream come true. I know that sounds really cliched, Mm. but it really is um, a dream come true. Do you feel now with one, two and three on the way, which I have to tell you is Forget Me Not coming out May of this year as well. I love the name. Um, It's intriguing. But do you feel now you're into your stride, so to speak? You know, after that, you mentioned the one you wrote. I think you put that first transcript away in a drawer, didn't you? It is. You have it somewhere. Yes. It will never see the light of day. (laughs) Really? Ever, ever. I think... I think I needed to write it, but I don't think it will. (laughs) (laughs) You never say never in this life. It could be collector's item in years to come. Who knows? But look, you you obviously are. When you you get one under your belt and get the kudos that you got for her name was Rose and then the anticipation of this one, which has lived up to expectations Uh again, you're on your way, aren't you? You never take anything for granted. That's what I say. I, I don't take any book, any sale, anybody reading it, I don't assume anybody's going to like it. I feel more comfortable writing in this genre now and I do feel as if I finally found my voice that is very distinctively my voice. But, um, and fingers crossed, it keeps going on from here, but mm. I take nothing for granted and I'm grateful for every single person that says something nice about it, that buys it, that borrows it from the library, whatever. Yeah. Oh, she's great. What I've noticed, your confidence has really, really come up as well um, since moving into this genre. I'm not sure whether it's you're more comfortable writing it or whether your support team is so great or, or just that your maturity has come within yourself. I but think I think it's, it's just a little bit of you can see 
throughout yeah. that you, you there's a little bit of everything but I have to say having the support team of um, HarperCollins has been unreal because they they they, they give you a big head, you know. You're saying all the right things really because good. your publisher is here with you today. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds as if we're getting the she's holding a flashcard. I'm, I'm getting a gold she's not star later. <laughs> no, she's not. They're not, I have to say. No, they're not. No, not. you know me, I'll just come out and say, and I really do think that Claire's confidence is growing and I just can't wait to see it getting better and better and better. I'm just Thank like, you. holy mother God, but you know the way you were saying every decade you're going to change. What's yeah. going to come up for the time of 50? <laughs> <laughs> God only God knows. Only knows yeah. Is it true you you were born on the longest day of the year. I was. 21st 21st of June. In the hottest summer in living memory. Yes, 1976. I wonder did last year beat it. I don't think it did. I think 76 was... I think 76 just just stays. Hot stuff born on the longest day (laughs) of the year. You're so smooth, Jerry. But you know what? We have a connection because you went to the University of Ulster. Dead as indeed. I did as well in Jordanstown. Yes, same, same yeah, campus. Yeah, the campus uh-huh. there. Lovely, lovely place. And then uh, after studying, was it humanities you studied there? Yeah, it was modern studies in the humanities. And then you went and did your master's, was it in... Yeah. It was University of Ulster as well at that stage. That course was based in the Art College campus in the cent- city centre yeah. of Belfast. Uh-huh. And uh, into the writing and journalism that yep. led you then. Uh-huh. Derry is a, a wonderful city and the people in it are lovely and they have they have a turn of wit and a turn of phrase that's mm-hmm. unique, haven't they? You obviously have that. Well, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> no, Derry people are all brilliant and we all have it and we're all great. Um, Derry, like Margaret said, I found a new confidence. Derry has found a new confidence over the last few years and we are very much on a roll as a city and things are going very well for us. Um from Derry Girls onwards. Oh, yes. we're, all, we're all basking Massive in the collective yeah. glory of that. Yeah. yeah. And I know that incident happened last week, but everybody is just united from all sides to say no. Absolutely. No no, no return no, to no, any please. of that old None nonsense. Of it. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. You know, at the same time um that happened and then at the same time we had these amazing artists doing this great big mural of Derry Girls, which is where our future is something positive. Derry's a very creative city. It always has been a very creative city. So let's see all the positivity come out now. Mm. Nobody wants that nonsense. Mm. You know, nobody. You had exciting times in your journalism. Savile Inquiry, mm-hmm. you know, which was unbelievable. International news. Yeah. Derry became the UK city of culture. Uh-huh. God, you had everything up there. The FLA, like ourselves, is yeah. back here and draw it again next year for the second year. But exciting times. And to see a city come out of its shell and, and grow up and develop is simply marvellous. So lots of food for thought in Derry for you. Lots and lots. And somebody did say to me quite recently that they couldn't believe I'd never written um, um, this genre before because of everything that I've seen and witnessed in uh, through journalism but yeah it's a very rich place to have cut your teeth in journalism uh, mm. because there were things like the Savile Inquiry um, which the world will never see the like of again mm. on that scale and with the best legal minds in the country um, and you know the fun bits like the, the, the city of culture year which was brilliant because you know you find yourself interviewing the script one day and then you know 
about your wee school to do something then it was it was a very varied year and it was it was a fantastic experience mm, great well it's not for pity michael buble didn't make it over <laughs> no just no. saying like <laughs> claire has Next a little time. bit of a crush on, <laughs> little, little, little little bit of a crush well, on michael buble he's <laughs> coming back yeah he's in dublin i have tickets he's I, I have my tickets for have Belfast. yes he's there as yeah. well jerry's into kylie so he's my one true love yeah there you go well we all have our little foibles in life don't we do indeed anyway listen I want to mention the book again before we finish Apple of My Eye by Claire Allen it's brilliant it gets the yeah, big absolutely. thumbs up you're from going to see people carrying this um, on the train on the bus get put down the damn phones and, and read a book get this one you can't miss it it's like bright green got a girl in the, the red cardigan a little girl on the swing uh, you have to put it in your bag you just do. That's the best recommendation you'll ever get from the woman who knows books. Yes, our book club impresario Margaret Madden with us today on Late Lunch. Claire, lovely to meet you. Thank you for coming to the studio. Thank I really, you. really do appreciate it. I love meeting you. And good luck with the next one, Forget Me Not and Beyond. We're going to keep the book. I'm not giving it today, Margaret. I want to keep it no, for the... I have my own, Jerry. Yeah, well, la, I'm, la, keeping la, la. I'm keeping it. I'm keeping it. But I'm going to give it away, oh, this you're... one next book club is that okay we'll keep it and we'll give it away in the gift pack on that day but for the moment Claire Allen and of course our book reviewer Margaret Madden thank you so much for joining me on the show thank you The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors now open in Dundalk beside the Dundalk Retail Park the nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk Yes, that's Big Yellow Taxi on Late Lunch this afternoon. Thank you so much for all the comments you've sent to us uh, about the opening of the show when I threw in my tuppence worth about the nurses' dispute. Jerry, as a presenter who has in the past criticised listeners who get hot under the collar, did I? Do I really? I understand when people get hot under the collar. I do myself. Most people do. You have to fire out a bit of steam every now and again. And who would I be to criticise anybody who got hot under the collar? Your rant was hardly balanced. While I agree with a lot of what you said, thank you very much for that, it has to be evident that samples do get mixed up in hospital. Patients get ignored when needing the toilet or a cup of tea, as that is the job for someone with lesser education. Nurses got a university education, so don't think their junior doctor says a listener. Well, I think you're being really harsh there, to be honest with you, and the nurses. At times, they're so stretched, and they're on about numbers as well, in particular departments. They just can't get round everybody. Physically, it's not possible. And these things do happen. Of course they do. You can't just eliminate everything. But look, on the whole, thank you for that. I'll, I'll take that out of it there, what you said. I agree with a lot of what you said. Thanks indeed for your comment. Appreciate it today. Somebody else said the nurses... Uh, should do the blue flu thing like the Guardi. Interesting. And phoned in to say she totally agrees with what Jerry said about the nurses. I was in Navin Hospital 14 times in two years and the care I received was outstanding. I also got to know the nurses very well and they do become your friends, even outside the hospital. Yes, Jerry, nurses are not recognised for the important work they do. I think Leo and the Minister for Health should take off the designer suits and work in an A&E for a whole day. Also, Jerry, fair play to you and what you said... You should run. <laughs> Maybe I'll be ran out of the studio. Never mind. <laughs> run for election. Uh, Georgina, uh, what were they? There's another there. Paddy Ward phoned to say, I agree with everything Jerry said. Uh, I went through so many operations and the nurses were simply brilliant. Uh, 
Facebook into us. Uh, Alfie was on to say, well done, Jerry Kelly. That needed saying. We're also behind the nurses. WhatsApp teachers are better paid working 25 hours a week with three months summer holidays. That's true. Another on WhatsApp. Well said, Jerry. You are uh, in tune with the people of the country more than our Taoiseach. When Breed Smith, uh, the TD, asked the Taoiseach if he thought he was worth the same as six nurses salary-wise, he accused her of being populist. What a display of what I'd call arrogance and contempt by the Taoiseach. In the same week, we learned that a large percentage of hospital consultants have been appointed without the necessary qualifications or experience. Where is the Minister for Health in all of this? And so on and so on they go. Uh, Have I time to read one more that came there? Hold on, I saw another one there that I just wanted to get to on uh, the text messages. Um, Hi, Jerry. I was listening to your wonderful uh, uh, speech there at the start of the show. I applaud you. My sister fought cancer for five years and was treated in Tullamore Hospital. The nurses were simply fantastic. And when my sister died three years ago, the head nurse and staff came out to the house to pay their respects and tell us how brave our sister was. If that's not caring, Jerry, I don't know what is. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Now open in Dundalk beside the Dundalk Retail Park. The nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk. On Raglan Road of an autumn day I saw her first and knew That her dark hair would weave a stare That I might one day rue I saw the danger and I passed along the enchanted way And I said, let grief be a falling leaf At the dawning of the day On Grafton Street in November we tripped lightly along the ledge Of a deep ravine where can be seen The worth of passion's pledge And the queen of hearts still making tarts And I not making hay Oh, I loved too much And by such, by such His happiness thrown away Well, I gave for the gifts Of the mind I gave her a secret sign That's known to the artists Who have known True gods of sound and tone And word and tint I never did stint I gave her poems to say With her own 
name there And our long dark hair Like the clouds are the fields of May On a quiet street Where all ghosts meet I see her walking now Away from me So hurriedly My reasons must allow That I have loved Not as I should A creature made of clay When the angel woos The clay he'll lose His wings are the dawn of day Oh my word I'm absolutely mesmerized Thank you very much thank you Oh my god almighty nice that was you. just absolutely gorgeous from both of you Thank you very much Folks you've been listening to Joe and Olivia Cairns there uh, singing that classic synonymous with the late Luke Kelly who passed away 35 years ago today Joe is from Bettystown in County Meath and Olivia is from New York yeah. City New York. You're both very welcome thank to the show you. It's thank great to much. see you Oh my god the harmonies the, the togetherness of both of you there yeah. is simply, simply beautiful. How does Betty's Town meet the Big Apple? Well, I was I've been performing around Drogheda um, for for ten, eleven years, and in two thousand and fourteen, Disney contacted me and asked if I would go on board their ship because uh, they had a an Irish bar on their ship, and they wanted to make the Irishy kind of feel in it. Um, so I went to Florida, joined their ship in Florida. Um, and I was already there. <laughs> I, found I was on this the one. cruises. Yeah. You were there already, were you? Yeah, I was. I was a performer on the on the cruise line. So we met on the Disney Fantasy, and I walked into the Irish pub, and I just heard this voice belting out from from the pub, and I was like, "Who is that?" And Whenever she'd joking. walk into the room, I'd, I'd turn it up a bit like, you know. Was, yeah. <laughs> and was that it for you? Did you just say? Well, you know what? The song that Raglan Road was one of the first songs I think I ever heard him do. And I just, I, I couldn't, I was just, he was the first boy from Ireland I ever met. And I just, I married him. So you um, fell head over heels. Yeah, Isn't yeah. that just marvellous? And, and you felt that from the word go when you heard him singing. You heard the song, the voice first, you saw the man and that was it. And then he just turned out to be a good person, which is like icing on the cake. <laughs> Terrific. No, I remember I remember seeing Olivia. She would she would often come in and, and she was very interested in what we were doing. So 
Um, Did you realise that she'd, you know... I tried hard. I tried hard. Put her eye on you <laughs> and said... It was terrible when she wasn't in the room. But and you, know. you were married locally here in uh, Castle Bellingham? That's yeah. where we had, yeah, that's where we had our reception. Married in Laytown at the Sacred Heart. Lovely church, yeah. 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 And then out to Castle Bellingham where, of course, they spoiled you. Oh, yeah. You oh, had a beautiful, great day. The best beautiful day, day ever. Oh, yeah. That Stunning. is... Just sums it all up because my own son got married there last August, Perfect. and you Perfection. know we know what we're talking about there. Anyway, Luke Kelly, you're a young fella, and Luke Kelly yeah. died 35 years ago. Yeah, What's he died, the story? He died there? five years before I was born. Um, but I, I I remember when I when I had no interest in music whatsoever. Uh, I remember seeing videos and and hearing Luke. Uh, my grandfather had had a CD and and or someone around had a CD. I can't remember. But I remember the first time I saw a video of Luke Kelly, it was the first time I I, I realised that, that the passion in music. When I, when I looked at the man, I didn't hear the music first. I saw the passion on his face and I fell in love deeply and, and, and instantly with, with Luke. Um, and he inspired me to pick up a guitar and, and try and figure out the chords for the different songs and... Um, Raglan Road was one of the first songs I ever learned on the guitar. My God, you have magical stories circulating around you two and the story of the connection with Luke. Fiona's just been on to say, hello Fiona, I know she's in Dundalk today, to say, oh my God, I'm so glad they sang Raglan Road. That song was my late aunt Peggy's favourite song and it's brought back so many memories. Isn't that lovely? It's a a beautiful song and it, it touches a lot of people. And what we find is when we're on the ship performing, even if the American guests don't necessarily know the songs, as soon as you sing them with a bit of passion, they take mm. interest and then mm-hmm. they come up and say, who was the song by? We tell them it was a poem for us, Patrick having a... We tell them all about Luke Kelly and, and they know the Dubliners, but they wouldn't necessarily know uh, an awful lot about Luke himself, you know. So yes. we try and turn a lot of people onto him as, as much as we can, you know. Now, you still have the stickers on your bags, I believe. Yeah. Because <laughs> you've only hit shore. We when? just flew in yesterday. Well, yeah. Yesterday from New York, we just finished up a contract and uh, we flew into New York to visit my family. Uh, my sister just had a baby. We spent a couple of days there. And oh, now- what's your sister's name? Laura. And what's the Baba's name? Henry. Laura and Henry. Hello. Hello, <laughs> Hello to you. <laughs> Congratulations. Thanks very much. So you were over there visiting, and now you've come to Ireland. No, I know you've been living in uh, Anagassin. Oh, you've had a place, had you? The yeah, last we've one? had a place um, up in the Saltings in Anagassin. Mm. Um, we, we haven't been there much. It's kind of we're in and out of the country so much. Over the last and and this year as well, we're in and out so much. I think we we're, we only spend three weeks in the country. This I know, this, yeah. but when this we year, do, so. we're so grateful to be here because it's you love it. It's the be- most beautiful place. It's the, on the weirdest world. thing in the world. And the greatest to hear people. A, a New York girl with an Anagassan accent. <laughs> <laughs> Every now and again, you get going well. <laughs> but can I tell you something? I love New York City. Yeah. It's Very a good. fantastic place as well. Quite different to Anagassan and, yeah. and life in Ireland. It certainly is. But you come from a wonderful place as Thanks well. Now, you're going to be cruising the next year. So you're on the seas, on the ship, yes? We're on, we're on the river ships. Okay. Um, so Explain, we, what are they? Well, we have an agent based in, in London, Gary, Gary Parks. And he sends us off. He's the one that sends us to the different ships. So instead of doing ocean liners, we're now doing river ships, which we take 100 guests uh generally from Amsterdam to Budapest uh, and, and we will perform some Irish music mm-hmm. during that as well. Mm. So. And a lot of people say we're on a trip in Amsterdam to Budapest, why do we have Irish night? And we say that wherever we go in the world, if you step off, there's an Irish pub around the corner, you know. Sure. So there's, there's and always the people always 
are excited to hear Irish music, especially mm. Americans who, you know, my great, 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 great grandfather's from Ireland. And it just makes you very proud when you're, when you're away for so long. It makes you very proud to talk about Ireland and mm. sing the songs as well. So. No, I want to tell listeners, you're singing beautiful harmonies here Thank today, you. Olivia, but this woman is a brilliant piano player and she plays the grand piano we just couldn't fit it in the oh, door no. it's lodged you know to- yourself <laughs> the guitar was one thing but the grand can I tell you there's a grand piano in St Peter's Church of Ireland in Drada it's a beautiful beautiful instrument if you can get in there oh, and I'm definitely gonna look. give it a go Loud yeah. County Council have it there for the classical music series yeah. just a thought that's come to my mind as I speak to you but you're playing piano since you were small yes? well no, no actually when I met Joseph and we decided that the way we were going to stick with each other was to work with each other he said great what can you play and I was like well not much and he says great you're going to start playing the piano and Joe taught me I had a basic knowledge but we've been I've been playing ever since great God almighty you've inspired each other you've yeah. married each other you've brought New York to the North and we East. kind of like each other yeah. ah, I can't get that still, still I just get that in Spain <laughs> so I do look we remember Luke Kelly today on the show 35th anniversary and this is just great may I say to have you both with me thanks here very much this it's afternoon it's, it's to finish a, out the show on this special day it's a pleasure to pay tribute to oh, him you know, so and it's him to it's bits. great to have it, it's just so timely as well may I wish you well Thank in your you so life much. together in your work together and those river cruises and all you're doing for the next year you'll fly I know you're just a great couple and we're going to finish today with another Luke Kelly song for our listeners which is Uh, we're going to do The Town I Love So Well you are I'm going to do The Town I Love So Well (laughs) she's putting the work on me Um, it's a Phil Coulter song but uh, obviously made very famous by by Luke he did a great version so Joe and Olivia Cairns thank you and it's Joe with The Town I Love So Well we'll see you for late lunch tomorrow and leave you with Joe thank you In my memory, I will always see the town that I have loved so well, where a school played ball by the gas yard wall, and we laughed through the smoke and the smell. And going home in the rain Running up the dark lane Past the jail and down behind the fountain Those were happy days In so many, many ways In the town I loved so well in the early morning the shirt factory horn called the women from Cregan from the moor and the bog while the men on the dole played the mother's role fed the children and then train the dog And when times got tough There was just about enough And they saw it through it out Complaining 
For deep inside was a burning pride in the town I loved so well. There was music there in the dairy air, like a language that we could all understand. I remember the day. When I earned my first pay, when I played in that small pickup band, and there I spent my youth. And to tell you the truth, I was sad to leave it all behind me. For I learned about life. I found a wife in the town I loved so well. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors now open in Dundalk beside the Dundalk Retail Park. The nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.